Welcome to our Painesville Assembly of God podcast. Our desire is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. If this message touches your heart, we'd love to hear about it. Email us at info at or visit PainesvilleAG.com. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to your faith. Well, today we continue our series that we have been in, The Jesus Way, and uh, in this series, uh, we are looking at the way that Jesus lived. And So let me just review a little bit and lay a quick foundation to this series. Exodus chapter 33, Moses had put a, a tent outside of the camp. It was called the Tent of Meeting, and it was there that he would go to meet with God, and the presence of the Lord would come in the, in the, in the form of a cloud around the Tent of Meeting. And while he was in there, Moses prayed this prayer as he would seek the Spirit of the Lord and develop his relationship with God. This is what he says in verse 13. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Jesus says, show me, or, or Moses prayed, God, show me your ways. Show me your ways. In fact, in the Old Testament, this was a common phrase. Psalm chapter 25 and verse 4, show me your ways, O Lord, teach me your paths. And then in the New Testament, we see Jesus declaring in the I am statements, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And it's from that formula, I am the way, the truth, and the life, as we found people seeking and searching the ways of God, that we find that Jesus' way plus Jesus' truth equals a Jesus' life. How many want to live a Jesus' life? I want a Jesus' life. And so often we, we hear messages, and it's so good, we, we preach messages on the truth, and knowing the truth is so important, but equally is knowing and following the way, the ways of Jesus, the right way. And so we want to do things the Jesus way in the Jesus truth, because that is what's going to bring about the Jesus life. And so that's what we're talking about uh, today as we're continuing this series, The Jesus Way. You know, when I was a child, I loved some of the songs we had growing up in kids' church. I had the benefit of being able to grow up in church and going to Sunday school and going to kids' church, and, and I just loved some of the songs. How many remember some of these songs? Father Abraham had many sons, right? Had many sons, had father Abraham. Yeah, right, right arm, left arm, right, and then you turn around, right? And I'm not going to sit down because that would be embarrassing. Um, or Jesus loves me, this I know, right? For the Bible tells me so. I mean, just such wonderful, wonderful songs, classics that we have. Or I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. How many remember that one, right? That's a classic, right? How many remember that one? And, and there's, there's so many more. But one, as I was preparing this message that just came to mind, is uh, he's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands, he's got the whole world. In his hands, he's got the whole world in his hands. And you know, in childlike faith, we would believe that. In childlike faith, I'm saying, yep, God's got the whole world in his hands. You know what? God, God's got this, man. He's, he's got the whole world. Why? Because as a child, I, that, that's what I believe. That, that's what we have. And it's so easy to believe that. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, you grow up into adulthood and about a year ago, all of a sudden, we began to face a difficult time as everything began to shut down with this unknown virus that they were calling the coronavirus or COVID-19, right? That was about a year ago that we moved to online only. 
No gatherings. Everybody stay. Let's, 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 let's keep this from, from progressing any forward. Let's slow the curve. Let's, let's get everybody safe, right? And from day to day, from week to week, we kept hearing daily reports from our governor. We started hearing daily reports from the CDC and, 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 and from our nation. All of these press reports that were telling us uh, all of these things that were happening. And we found events being canceled. And we found life as we know it. Everybody moving inside, working from home, and, and businesses being shut down unless you were essential. And, 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 and there was this great fear about this unknown virus, right? And the events about a year ago changed our world. Anxiety and fear and worry began to, to slip in. We were told to stay at home. We were told to physically distance. We were told to buy a lot of cleaning products and sanitize your hands. And people were, were going to the grocery store and, and sanitizing their hands and wearing gloves and wearing all kinds of things and coming home and in the garage stripping down and washing their clothes and all of these kinds of things. I remember this. Why? We were worried. We're going to get this virus. What if we get sick? What if we die? Right? And some people did. There were, cha- there were the grocery store shelves were, were emptied, stripped bare. There were even toilet paper shortages, right? Chain shortages. How many remember the chain shortage? We're, we're not going to have any chains. We're not going to be able to pay. You can't pay in cash. We're moving. Everything is moving. And there are, there are all kinds of fear and all kinds of worry. And there is still so much uncertainty, isn't there? There's a lot of division. Do I, do I get the, the, the vaccine? Do I get the shot? Don't I get the shot? It, will it harm me? Won't it harm me? What, what, there is so much anxiety and so much worry. And where is the state of our economy? And how far are gas prices going to continue to rise? Am I stressing anybody out this morning? I see, worry, right? Worry, worry is one of those things spinning and spinning. And any time you get and you turn on the, the daily news, if you're on social media and you flip through your, your feed over and over, there are different messages that are coming at you telling you, worry about this, worry about that. Oh, what about your health? Eat this, don't eat this, take this vitamin, don't take that vitamin, more vitamin C, more vitamin D, make sure you have zinc, Right? Don't go here, but go here. Don't get this, but do this. Eat this, but don't touch this. I don't know about you, but you can't go on social media. You can't check your email. You can't look at the news without being bombarded with messages that, oh my goodness, what's going to happen? Worry, worry, worry. What happened to, he's got the whole world in his hands, he's got the whole world. In his hands, except Washington, D.C., he's got the whole world. In his hands. What happened to my prodigal kids? Are they ever going to come back? Am I going to go to the doctor and what's that going to look like? He's got the whole world. Does he? You see, the way of the sparrow that Jesus is going to take us through today deals with this very subject of worry. In fact, Luke chapter 12, Jesus addresses a subject of fear, and he puts it this way, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies, yet not one of them is forgotten by God? Indeed, the very hairs on your head are all numbered, some of us more easily than others. Don't be afraid, you're worth more, look at this, you're worth more than many sparrows. And I get to think it's sparrows, not eagles. You know, in the Bible, I like eagles. You're not going to soar like the eagle, right? 
Soar like the eagle. I like eagles, but sparrows, sparrows are not impressive creatures. Eagles are impressive. They have regal looks. They have formidable talents. They're massively powerful wings. They can soar above all of the problems. Eagles, right? No, you're worth more. Sparrows, where is sparrows? When it comes to worry and fear, why not use powerful eagles? No, Jesus uses sparrows. And the most remarkable thing about sparrows is they are most unremarkable. They lack any kind of impressiveness whatsoever. In fact, you probably saw 20 to 30 of them on your way to church today or the beautiful sunshine that's outside and you didn't think anything of it. Not notice a single one. Sparrows were the smallest birds that were, that, that were even used in offerings in Leviticus 14.4. For those that couldn't afford any other offering, they could offer a sparrow. And at the time of Christ, two sparrows were sold for an asasrius. That's the Greek word there for the kind of coin. It was the lowest valued coin issued by the Roman Empire. So the lowest would be like pennies today. The lowest valued coin in the Roman Empire. And you could buy four sparrows. And if you bought four, they'd throw one in for free. That's how unvalued they were, unimpressive they were. And yet it's these little insignificant birds that God says holds so much value to him. And we learn great lessons by overcoming fear, by looking at the way of the sparrow. So today we're going to answer the question, how do we walk in the way of the sparrow? How do we walk in the way of the sparrow? Well, first, take a bird's eye view. Take a bird's eye view. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount addresses the subject of worry and anxiety. And I don't know if you know, in this very short little section on worry and anxiety, he uses the word worry six times, and he says, don't worry, three times. That's a lot in just a few verses. And when it comes to overcoming fear and, 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 and worry, this is what Jesus said, Matthew 6, 25 and 26. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, about your body, what you will wear. Is life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And look what it says, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And again, Jesus using the illustration of birds. You might as well say the illustration of the sparrows. And from his perspective, the sparrows or the birds don't have much of a care in the world. They go about their business, they do their thing, but they're not worried about it and they don't care about it. Why? Because your heavenly Father feeds them. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't store away in barns, they don't save for retirement, right? They don't worry about college, they don't worry about a job, they don't worry about their kids. In fact, when it comes to their kids in the nest, when it comes to that time and they've been there too long, they don't get to stay in their parents' basement and play video games. They get kicked out. I don't know if they'll be able to fly. Well, let's see. Woo! Right? <laughs> they don't have a care in the world. They don't, they don't make sure that their little birdie kids have helmets and, and, and wear padding and, and uh, have the car seat facing the right way. Right? Jesus isn't making fun of the hard work. He's saying something very important. He says, your heavenly Father feeds them. They don't have a care in the world because their heavenly father feeds them. And something jumped out at me. As I've been reading through the Sermon on the Mount, I've been reading through these passages. You know what jumps out at me? Jesus' favorite name for God is heavenly father. 
In fact, a shift takes place in the Old Testament where you hear God and Jehovah and Lord. And in the New Testament, Jesus introduces us to a new title, Heavenly Father. Your Heavenly Father. Your Heavenly Father. And last week, we saw how Jesus was led by the Spirit of God into the wilderness. And while he was there in the wilderness, he experienced God's provision and God's protection. And he understood God's plan. And in fact, at the very heart of every temptation, as we talked about it last week, the very heart of everything was the very question that Satan started with before he got into any temptation. And he said, if you are the Son of God. If you are the Son of God, if you are God's Son, if you are God's child, if you are His Son, questioning the relationship and the strength of the relationship that Jesus had with His heavenly Father. And I would, I would say to you today that I think worry falls in that same category. For Satan and everything in us gets us to question the strength of the relationship with our heavenly Father. Our heavenly Father, does your heavenly Father truly care about you? Does he truly care about your job? Does he truly care about retirement? Does he truly care about your kids? Does he truly care about your health? Does your heavenly father care about you? Does he see and does he know what you are experiencing and what you're worried about? At the very heart is the heavenly father. And the way of the sparrow addresses how we are with our heavenly father. Matthew 10, 29, another passage says this, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? So again, saying the same thing, yet not one of them will fall to the ground. Look at this, outside of what? Your father's care. In other words, he cares about the sparrows that to everybody else don't have very much value whatsoever. Yet to him, they have value. And to him, he knows when even one of them falls to the ground because he cares. In fact, if we go back to the Old Testament, I love this. One of the names of God that we see, E-L-R-O-I, it's pronounced El-Rai. El-Rai. It means the God who sees you know where this came about? An Egyptian slave, an Egyptian servant girl to Abraham and Sarah by the name of Hagar. And Hagar was experiencing some mistreatment. Here she was simply being a surrogate, doing what her master Sarah had asked her to do, bearing a child inside. And now out of jealousy, Sarah began to, to mistreat her. And, and, and they kicked out Hagar, this Egyptian slave, go, get out. And she actually runs away. She just can't take it anymore. And she's out by herself in the wilderness. There's nowhere else to go. She's exhausted and she sank down in helplessness. And a young, in this young servant situation, all of a sudden, here she is. She sinks down. And it's kind of like what the psalmist said. She finds herself in this place, Psalm 102.7, I lie awake and my like a sparrow along, uh, uh, like a sparrow alone on the housetop. That's the way she feels. And she thought life was over, and all of a sudden, an angel of the Lord appears to her. And this is one of those theophanies that's believed in Scripture. A theophany is when you see an appearance of Jesus in the Old Testament, oftentimes counted as the angel of the Lord. And you have an angel of the Lord appears to her and pronounces and, and begins to, to give her hope and encouragement. And it's at that moment that we get the pronouncement of this name, El-Rahi, the God who sees. From Hagar, an Egyptian slave, the God 
who sees. And now we see recorded in the New Testament referencing the sparrows, the same kind of thing. And it tells us this, friends, that no matter how insignificant we may think or how alone we may feel, the God who sees the sparrow sees us and he is not unmoved by our situation. He's not unmoved. In fact, it's a simple thought, but it's a profound one that God, our Heavenly Father, sees and cares for us. In fact, there's an old poem that goes like this. Said the robin to the sparrow, I should really like to know why these anxious human beings rush about and worry so. Said the sparrow to the robin, friend, I think it must be that they have no Heavenly Father who cares for you and me. So often we rush around, but the way of the sparrow is the way in which we begin to trust our Heavenly Father that He sees and that He cares. God is not irresponsible. He's not saying trust fate or, or, or inviting us to, to work our own way. He's inviting us to trust Him. He's inviting us to, to put our trust and our hope and transfer our worry onto the trust in our Heavenly Father. To take a bird's eye view. That's the, the way of the sparrow. Secondly, recognize your value. Matthew 6, 26. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. And look at this last question. Are you not much more valuable than they? You see, I think the problem that comes in is oftentimes we, we become very insecure we question our own value. We struggle with whether we have value in our lives. Are we valuable? Are we valuable to God? At the end of the day, are you not much more valuable? And so Jesus points us back again to the illustration of the birds, the illustration of the sparrow. And he continues to emphasize how valuable they are in the eyes of the Father. And then he goes on with the second illustration in verses 28 and 29. And he says, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. And yet even Solomon in all of his splendor is not dressed like one of these. So the flowers don't labor. They don't, they don't spin. They trust their heavenly father to dress them and to clothe them. And, and, and are, they, are you not much more valuable? Another question about value. And he punctuates it in verse 30. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown in the fire, will he not much more clothe you? The flowers and the grass, they're just temporary. They're here today. They're gone tomorrow. They, 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 and, and, and yet your heavenly Father cares about them and takes care of them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Not just more, but much more. Are you not much more valuable than they? We're so valuable that God sent his one and only son to purchase us from a sin debt that we owed to give his very life. And saw, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, you are not your own, the Bible says. You were bought with a price. You have value in the eyes of God. I read a story about a, a man, and, and Pastor Jacob will like this. He was from Montana, walking the streets of Montana, and, and uh, he had a, a friend who was with him, and his friend had brought along his three-year-old son. And he writes this, he says, as we walked, a little, uh, a little boy looked down and he saw the penny lying on the sidewalk. 
And he said the child became so excited, he reached down, he grabbed it. He could not have been happier as if it were a thousand dollars. It was just a, a penny. And he said, Daddy, Daddy, look what I found. It's a penny. There was so much joy. The man went on to explain that, that the young boy, his excitement so fascinated him that he reached into his pocket and he pulled out some of the change and he realized that he had a, a whole pocket full of some pennies. And so as they walked along, he began to drop one on the ground here and one on the ground there ahead of the little boy. And the little boy with excitement would look down and say, oh, I got another one. Oh, look, there's another penny. Oh, look, this is, look at this. And the man says that, that, that you know, perhaps so little, as I, as I watched this and as I looked ahead, pennies buy so little. To me, there was not even much of a sense of sacrifice, he says, for what I was doing. Yet the retrieval of every one of them, this little boy was erupting over and over again with joy. And he said, in that moment, God began to speak to me. And he said, I doubt if I'd even stop to pick up a penny. Yet that which is not treasured by me was clearly celebrated by the child. And he said, you know, I've been overwhelmed time and time again by what it seems as God's sense of wonder. What, what gives God a sense of wonder? And here's what he came to. Treasuring the seemingly worthless is somehow just like our God. You and I struggle to determine worth. Our world struggles to determine worth. They tell us what we're worth by what we do and how famous we are and what we bring to the table. Do I, what do I bring to the table? What do I contribute? What do I have to offer? And oftentimes, our value by others is on what I can bring. But God's value on us is not what we bring to Him, but what He brought to us through His Son, Jesus Christ, that He was willing to give His Son to pay for us. In fact, God cares so much for the sparrows knowing they sell two for a penny. Maybe the cross is God's finest shopping spree. For at the cross, Jesus spent all he had to buy the souls of those who would put him to death. So much for so little. And in the midst of our senseless circus, our heavenly father goes on deliberately picking up pennies. Perhaps the, God, the cross is God's finest shopping spree, for at the cross, Jesus spent all he had to buy the souls of those who put him to death. Finest shopping spree, right? Are you not much more valuable than they? Our heavenly Father cares for you, and the way of the sparrow is, is to recognize who we are with our heavenly Father and our relationship with our heavenly Father, but also to recognize the value that he places on you and I. Thirdly, the way of the sparrow is to recognize the futility of worry. Verse 27, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Can any of you by worrying add a single hour? Does that change anything? Do I help myself by worrying? Does worrying help me change anything? Does it increase the certainty of tomorrow if I worry just a little bit more today? Worry actually comes from the old Anglo-Saxon word to choke or to strangle. How many have found that worry can choke out your joy? Worry can choke out your health. Worry can choke out your strength. Worry won't bring your savings account back. It won't bring your prodigal child, son, or daughter back. It won't keep cancer away or senility from coming. But it will cause you to lose sleep. It will give you ulcers. It'll give you high blood pressure. It'll give you headaches. And at the very least, it'll sour your mood and it'll stifle your relationships, even your relationship with the Lord. Not just physical consequences, but spiritual consequences come from worry. And as I read, planning for tomorrow is time well spent, but worrying about tomorrow is time wasted. 
In fact, Corey Ten Boom said this, worry does, does not empty tomorrow of its sorrows, it empties today of its strength. See, when we put our tomorrow in the faithful hands of the one who's pioneered our today, then today's troubles become a testimony for tomorrow's trials. Today's troubles are a testimony for tomorrow's troubles. You see, God loves you and I more than the sparrows, more than the birds in the sky. And they don't sow, and they don't reap, and they don't store. And it doesn't mean that we shouldn't save. But what it means is we do what we can do. But at some point, you've got to stop worrying, and you've got to trust that God is able to care for you, and God is able to take care of it, because worrying about it isn't going to change anything. I'm not going to worry about it. Because I'm going to trust the only one who can do something about it. I'm not going to worry about tomorrow, but I'm going to trust the one who holds tomorrow. Right? There's another old song, right? The way of the sparrow is to trust our Father with our tomorrows. Fourthly, recognizing worry is really a faith issue. Matthew 6, 30, hang on just a moment. Jesus said this at the end of that, you of little faith. You of little faith. You see, worry at the very core is an issue of faith. In fact, Matthew 6, 31 and 32, Jesus continues and says, Do not worry, saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? Look at what he says. The pagans run after these things. The pagans were the unbelievers. They were the ones that didn't believe. You might say they were the atheists in a sense or the agnostics in a sense. They didn't believe that there was a God. They had no belief. So what Jesus is saying is, is that when we worry, we're in a sense saying, Well, we say we believe in God, but we really don't. Remember we talked about Christian atheists a couple weeks ago that's that's what we're talking about worry is really practical atheism it's not trusting in God you believe in God but you don't believe that he'll take care of you that he can take care of your tomorrows and this same the thing is that these issues that we face they affect all people they're common to man financial matters and problems schooling and parenting relationship issues retirement and economic issues health issues every one of those affect everybody so it's not a matter of us not experiencing those things everybody experiences those things the difference is in how we as those who put our faith in our heavenly father those who believe in our heavenly father how do we react to those changes how do we handle those things you see, our response is huge. For those who do not believe in God, there's a lot of worry. Who, where, where do we do it? There's, there's a lot of things. But to those who are believers, when people see that we put our faith in Christ and we have a peace that passes all understanding, it is a testimony to the unbeliever. You see, worry is really a faith issue. Matthew 6.32, going back to that, for the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. The pagans run after these things. They chase after these things. They seek after these things. They worry and they fret. But for the believer going back again, we say, no, our heavenly Father knows and he cares. You know, I don't know how this is going to be taken care of. But God, give me, give me wisdom and direction on what I need to do today. What do I need to do? What's in my hands? What have you given me? What's the obedience? What are, you, what are you asking me to do? But I'm not going to run around and panic and fret. I'm going to put it in the hands of my heavenly Father. Because God knows that we need it. And like the birds of the air and the flowers of the field, Jesus is, is telling us, don't worry, your heavenly Father will provide what you need. So how do we walk in the way of the sparrow? Number five, and this is the last point today, transfer your devotion 
Transfer your devotion. So how many know that sometimes you can't just stop? Stop worrying. I can't stop. How do I stop worrying? Because you've got to replace worry. You've got to transfer your worry somewhere. You've got to replace it. You can't just get rid of it. You've got to replace it. So how do we replace it? Well, Jesus gives us the answer. Matthew 6, The pagans run after these things. But as a believer who trusts your heavenly Father, here's what you do. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So transfer your worry and your devotion into seeking the Lord. It's a purposeful redirecting of the things that occupy our thoughts and devotion to the things of His kingdom and His righteousness. Allow me to explain just for a moment, because at the very beginning of this section, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25 begins with this word, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, about what you eat or drink, about your body, all those things about clothes. Therefore, do not worry. You know what therefore is? Therefore is a connecting word. So we got to say, Jesus, what were you talking about before therefore? What does therefore refer back to? And if you take a look at what therefore refers back to, it was Jesus talking about some of the problems that we have with stuff and with money. How many know money is always an issue of worry? But verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Devotion, right? Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. I want to say that at the very heart, oftentimes, of our worry is a devotion to stuff, mammon, a devotion to the things of this world, a devotion to the things that we struggle with. Don't get upset with me, but let me illustrate it this way. And I've said this before. I don't worry about your job. Now, if you're worried about your job and you call me, I'll pray for you, and, and I'll, I'll point you to some scriptures to help you, but, but you know what? I don't stay awake at night worrying. Your job does not keep me up at night, whether you have your job or don't have your job or whether things are going well with your job. Likewise, you know what? I don't worry about your kids. I don't worry about your kids' safety. I don't worry about whether they're coming home. I don't worry about whether they're getting good grades at school, whether they're online, homeschool, public school, how they're doing... It doesn't keep me up at night. Now, if you're concerned about your kids, if you're worried about, and you say, Pastor, I got these things, I'm going to pray with you. I have empathy. I'm going to pray with you. But your, your kids don't keep me up at night. And that's, I'm a terrible pastor, aren't I? Isn't that awful? You know, I don't worry about your health. Now, if you call me and, you, and we pray, I'll pray with you. But your health doesn't keep me up at night. Why? Because I'm not devoted to those things. I'm not devoted. You're devoted to those things, so that concerns you. I'm not devoted. I have the things that I'm devoted to. I'm not worried about if you have enough stored up for retirement. It doesn't keep me up at night. Why? Because I'm not devoted to those things. Worry is directly tied to the things we're most devoted to. That's what Jesus was talking about. That's the key. When we reflect on our core devotion, that's why he ended Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart is also. At the very heart of worry, it's a devotion issue. And Jesus tells us that if we want to defeat worry, then we need to replace our worry to a devotion to his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to us as well. It's a devotion issue. You see, when I'm devoted to my heavenly father, when I know my heavenly father, when I'm in relationship with my heavenly father, guess what? I'm devoted to that, and I begin to look, and I understand that my heavenly father knows what I need, and he's able to take care of me. I don't have to worry. I don't have to, I don't have to run around like the pagans do, right? Seeking after these things. But I can 
look towards the hopeful things. You see, earlier in Matthew chapter 6, this very same chapter, Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. And he said, and when you pray, do not keep babbling like who? Like the pagans, right? Those who don't believe, for they think they'll be heard by their many words. Do not be like them, for your father, look at this, your father, reinforced, knows what you need before you ask him. This was before he ever talked about worry. He's talking about prayer. This then is how you should pray. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Our Father. Everything is about our Father. The way of the sparrow is about looking to our Father. The way of the sparrow is about being devoted to our Father. And when you begin to worry, you've got to turn that worry over to prayer. Our Father who art in heaven. Heavenly Father, I know that you know what I need. Heavenly Father, I know that you care. Heavenly Father, I know that I'm valuable to you. Heavenly Father, I know you own the resources and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know that you're the great physician and you are able to heal. I know that you have power over darkness and that in Jesus' name, darkness has to flee. I know that you care about my kids more than I do. So rather than me worrying about it, I'm going to turn it over to prayer and I'm going to put it back on you. Because you're the only one that can take care of it. It's what Paul learned. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, and with thanksgiving, I mean, sometimes you just got to stop and reflect and be thankful. Be thankful. Present your request to God, and look what happens. When you do this, look at the byproduct. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart, and your minds in Christ Jesus. Turn it over to prayer. Transfer your devotions. Replace your worried thoughts with thoughts of prayer and thanksgiving and trust in your heavenly Father. Do what Philippians 4, 8 says, whatever is is good, right? Pure, noble, true, lovely, excellent, praiseworthy. Think on these things. You know Philippians 4, 8 comes after 4, 6, and 7. Why? Because our minds are the problem. Because our minds get on the temporary things of the world and we think God does not care. But I'm telling you, friends, God cares. Our Heavenly Father cares about you. And the only way to do that is to replace your worry with worship. Take your anxious thoughts and replace them with prayerful petitions. Seek His kingdom and His righteousness and you will find that you truly have very little to worry about. Matthew 6, 34. And ask the worship team to come. We're going to close with worship. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Listen, this is not saying we don't have trouble. This is not ignoring trouble. This is about saying that no matter what the trouble might be, I knew who my heavenly father is. And I'm not allowed, I'm not about to let the flesh, and I'm not allowed, uh, about to let the enemy, I'm not allowed, about to let the enemy, and about to let uh, my, my flesh get in the way of knowing who my heavenly Father is, who loves and cares for me, who knows what I need, and says, you're more valuable than the sparrows. And if I know, even when one sparrow falls to the ground, how much more do I not care for you? God cares about you. So my question is, what's worrying you today? What's on your mind today? What overwhelms your thoughts? What keeps you up at night? What gets your blood pressure rising? What keeps you tense? 
And I want to ask you, are you ready to transfer that over to the Lord? Can you take your job and say, God, your will be done? I don't like it. It's uncomfortable. I don't know why I'm here. I mean, I might even lose it. I I don't know what to do, but God, I know you're going to care for me. Not my will, but yours be done. Let me seek your kingdom. What about your kids? God, I need my kids to serve you. Holy Spirit, will you just begin to work? I know that that, that, that battle's not against flesh and blood. It's a spiritual thing. And I, I'm going to begin to pray that you'll tear down strongholds and, and that you'll raise up laborers and you'll bring people into their life that'll point them back to you. You remind them in the way that they should go, that, I, that I've taught them in the way that they should go, but they're wandering. God, will you be with them? Lord, you know my health. You're the great physician. You're the miracle worker. You're the healer. You know what? I'm going to transfer this over to you because, you know, I'm not putting my hope in doctors and in medicine. I thank you for them. But ultimately, you're my healer. And so I'm going to trust in you because whether I live or whether I die, if I trust in you, I know that death is not the end. It is defeated. I'm going to be with you in eternity. Friends, what are you worried about? Can we begin to turn that over to the Lord right here in this moment? Right there in your living room, wherever you're watching online at home. Turn it over to the Lord. Turn your worry and your cares over to the Lord. Come on, let's stand today. Let's stand today. Father, we just trust you. We turn our devotion over to you. We get a bird's eye view. And we say, Heavenly Father, we're trusting in you today. Heavenly Father, we're trusting in you today. Father, I just pray for all of those that are battling with worry, all of those that have things they're concerned about, some, Lord, or health. I'm not trying to minimize the the weight of what they're experiencing. But I know, Lord, that the answer is not found in worry. The answer is found in you. The answer is not found in running and fretting and, and, and moving all over, trying to figure out how we can manufacture the answer in and of ourselves. We are not God. You are. You are Heavenly Father. And so we come today as your children, heirs and co-heirs with Christ, sons and daughters of God, children of God. And we cry out, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. Our daddy God, you know our need. We ask you, Lord, to give us peace today. We trust in you. Meet the needs, Lord, that we experience. The needs in health bring healing. In the name of Jesus, give us faith to trust you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you're encouraged by this message. For more information about Painesville Assembly of God, visit PainesvilleAG.com.